You're listening to Two Girls, One Crossword. The other day I had a little thing for my birthday. And by a little, little I mean extremely tiny. But um, we played Stray, that new video game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wait, my, I can't see your microphone. Where is your microphone? It's next to me. You don't believe me? It's right here. Take a that cold, hard look. Crazy. You think it's too far? It was fine. No, I mean, <laughs> look at me. Mine is like in my face and yours is over there. So I'm just like, what? You're doubting me. I, I am doubting Thomas. Um, That's a religious I, reference for anybody who didn't I get didn't get I What religion? Doubting Thomas. Isn't he an apostle that doubts Jesus? I don't know. It's been a while since I went to Sunday school. It's I don't crazy. Know. I, I've I've pretty much forgotten all the apostles. <laughs> As it I, happens, I don't know any of the apostles other than like Judas. I know God Judas. bless his soul. Uh, and Thomas because he was doubtful. Doubting Thomas is a good name for a cat. Um, however, in the video game story, you cannot name your cats, and you can't even no. pick what your cat looks like. I really thought I could customize him to be a little black cat, but he's still a cute little ginger striped cat, and you it's get true. to play him and you solve a mystery. Of course. Well, we didn't get very far in the game, but because um, we were like farting around too much. However, part However. two, we will finish and solve. First yeah. of all, we don't even know what mystery is going on. What is the mystery? I feel like I feel like he's trying to get out to the outside because yeah. he's in like a like a. It's hard to explain. Listeners. He like yeah. He starts off like frolicking in a meadow, and then he falls into like this dystopian city where that's run and by it's robots. So sad. He gets to he gets separated from all his friends. We were I think we were all shocked. We all gasped aloud. We did when he fell. Would anyone? Do any of our listeners like like to watch people play video games? Because that's Chelsea and I's other dream is to be like Twitch streamers and just yeah. play video games and have people watch us. Yeah. So if you're interested in that kind of thing. Hopefully, you like things like Stray and or like The Sims or yeah. I mean, we're talking like sto- we're not talking about Fortnite or anything like that. These are all no. like very storyline games. Yeah, fun. games that you actually have fun playing, not games that make you miserable. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just let us know. Drop us a line because we're toying with the idea. If one person asks us, we will do it. We will do it. Seriously. So no, it's well, it's hard to get the setup for it. But anyways, that's not your our listeners issue. We if people it want it, we'll figure it. out a way. Yes. Um, should we? Oh, I guess we should introduce the show. Oh, hey. Hey there. Welcome to the show. Once again, uh, you're listening to Two Girls, One Crossword, your favorite weekly pod word crosscast. I am Chelsea Rowan. I'm Grace Topinka and I apologize this is not us playing video game. Instead, it is us talking about the crossword every week the crossword. and teaching each other about trivia topics taken directly from the crossword. Can you believe it? Yes, you can, because if you've been here long enough, then you know the format of the show. If you have not been here long enough, maybe you still know the format of the show, but... Person welcome. First. Yeah. We're here. Uh, and we're ready to... Talk about our Pulapalooza. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Um, so we asked on Twitter, based on last week's episode about Pac-Man, did you know that each Pac-Man ghost has a name and a personality? Well, if you listened last week, then yes, you do know that. But the question was, which one are you? Are you the orange ghost Clyde, who's clueless? The red ghost Blinky, who's relentless? The pink ghost Pinky, who's sneaky? Or the blue ghost Inky, who's fickle? 
and majority voted for Clyde, the clueless one. <laughs> so there you go. Second place was Fickle. That's Inky. And then no one voted mm-hmm. for Blinky or Pinky. So I guess our listeners aren't what relentless or picked? sneaky, which is nice. I didn't vote, but I if I did, I would have been Pinky, I think. Like, okay, if I'm a if, if I'm a ghost and I'm like trying to hunt people, I would try and do like just hang around in the area, pretend like I don't know, and then like zoom in for the, you know, capture. I feel like I would definitely pick the one that had that was relentless. Blinky. M- mo- mostly because you get me talking on something and I'm not going to shut up until I start reading like the social cues that people are getting uncomfortable. And then I'm like, oh, I got to I got to <laughs> shut up here. But I could keep going. Just just know that in those situations where I'm going and going and then I f- suddenly stop, I could keep going. That's why it's dangerous. I'm in fact relentless. <laughs> but where it was dangerous for Chelsea to be in the office. <laughs> the lunch table was like her courtroom. Yeah, you can't. And honestly, it's one of those things, you know, like. You like go out and you're hanging out with friends and you get home and you're like, that was great. And then you're like, wait, 10 minutes later, you're like, did I, did everyone hate me? Cause I said that. Yeah. That's, that's me after literally every <laughs> social interaction. Well, um, but I... I cannot change the fact that I won't shut up. So it is what it is. It's like, I had to just deal with it. I don't think, I don't think you say anything that's too like outlandish. I mean like ridiculous. No, that... Yes. But not mean <laughs> like chaotic, no, no, no. a chaotic neutral, truly. Yes. And I, I don't, it's not the content of what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's the quantity of it. Sometimes you just give a little too much. Sometimes I like my mouth. See, I keep here I am. I keep going. I'm just going and going on the same topic. I can't just shut up. All right, let's move on. Let's just <laughs> shut up and get into hits and shit, shall we? Mm-hmm. Are you drinking a coffee at this hour? Oh, a tea, a breakfast tea, because it has been a bonkers work week. And it's only going to continue into tomorrow. We're recording on a Thursday, as most of our loyal fans know. Uh, so tomorrow's Friday. And, um, you know, Friday is treat yourself day. Matt and I will, you know, get up. We take the dog to daycare. We stop at Dunks, get our little iced coffee. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that tomorrow because I have to st- I'm going to start work early. It's just been one of those weeks. I'm not yeah. somebody who works too much. I have boundaries with work, except this is like one of those weeks where... Sometimes you got to do it. Well, I really hope you can get a treat. I'm, I usually, my treat day is usually Tuesday, but we actually switched to Friday this week because of the, that's cute, um, shorter week. So I will also be getting a treat tomorrow and I hope that you do too. Yeah. I'm sure Matt will get me a treat because he's the best, but, but part of the treat is like going out to get it. I know. It's like being in the drive-thru. It's like being handed the drink i walked to get having my it treat, in the car and i have to walk oh. home balancing like two refreshers <laughs> well 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 well. we're doing it because we're dropping our dog off yeah. you know it's different. it's different we would have we would have walked if we didn't have a dog a dog that's crazy but that's besides the point he's not actually crazy anyway let's move on hits and shits somebody take this mic somebody's mic dopper i'll stop you somebody, um, yeah i want to talk about the sunday washington post by evan bernholz college admissions Okay. Um, two down. Shout out to you. Blank of mirrors. Room at Versailles. Hall of mirrors. Oh. I knew that thanks to you. And I probably would have known that before. Because um, I don't care about the French. Okay. 18 <laughs> down. <laughs> she hates the French. I don't. But some people are like really into French culture. And I never, I never caught that bug. I, I know you did. Definitely had it. Yeah. So I could just imagine you in a striped shirt. 
Listen, in I college. was wearing striped. I, the only type of shirt that I owned was striped for a while. And all different, like, you know, t-shirt, a nice blouse, like mm-hmm. every type of, like a sweater, every type of striped, white and blue. It's like very Breton, like vibes. Um, that was me in college. So I love great. that for you. Thank you. You hit it. You hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, and that's not a bad thing, but it just wasn't. No, it, it's just who it, who I was. Um, okay. 18 down kills as a dragon or in a dragon show. And the answer was slays. Slay. Very cute. Um, 45 down plank stone. Rock said to have inspired the phrase kiss me. I'm Irish. And it's the Blarney stone. And I know that people kiss the Blarney stone, but I didn't realize that's where the phrase kiss me. I'm Irish. I didn't realize from. either. Have you kissed the Blarney stone? I don't know. Where is it? Where I know it's in it's Ireland. It's in Blarney. Okay, then no. Oh, I kissed it. It's effing weird. So it's like in a castle. I've seen pictures of people took, kissing it. They're like upside down, hanging over. Yeah, you took. Yeah, okay. you got to climb up to the top of a castle. And I am afraid of heights. Let me tell you, I am afraid of heights. I had a. I actually had a dream the other night where me and Alex were on the top of my apartment building, but my apartment building was like seventy four <laughs> flights high. And she wanted to go out onto the roof, and I literally couldn't even step outside because it was so windy, and I was so nervous. I was like, Alex, get outside. I meant to tell you guys about this. Anyway, <laughs> I'm so afraid of heights that I have nightmares about them. Anyway, so I had to climb to the top of this tower. You get there, and there is an attendant like that basically helps you backbend, hold these poles, and then smooch the stone. And this man, it seems like he has literally never left his spot next to the Blarney Stone for like the last 50 or 60 years. Mm-hmm. And he is honking women over his knee <laughs> to get them back bending and kissing that stone. And I, I just want to say that that man is doing God's work. I hope he's still there. So I just don't feel man. like I could. It's a little gross to me to kiss the stone that all these people have been kissing. Now, now it is. Yeah. I wonder, we should, I wonder if Blarney's open. He's like a dental dam. Yeah. <laughs> um, exactly. 26 across work for a company question mark. And the answer was opera. Cute. I like that. 66 down, primary concern, question mark. And the answer was smear. Like a smear <laughs> campaign. Yes. Uh, 82 across, Futurama character in a pink sweatsuit. Amy Wong. I just like that they had her in there. Mm. And then 93. You like Futurama? Huh? Did you like Futurama? I know it enough, but I never, I'm not like someone who's watched every episode. Mm. Matt's big into Futurama, and I don't think he has anybody to talk about it to. So I don't, I don't think I'm that person. Sorry. I won't. I won't tell. I won't say a thing. Do not say a word. <laughs> um, 93 across, long TikTok video duration on average, and the answer is minute. A minute is really too yeah. long for a TikTok. Chelsea, 90 it is. We're like 10 seconds, and then keep it moving. If you don't, if you do not get my attention, I am swiping. And like the three minute TikToks, y'all got me. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Unless it's something I'm like obsessed with it's not happening mm-hmm. keep it moving do do a couple i'd rather do three one minute parts than one anyway agreed i agree vid. that's all i got for that one okay okay i'm gonna start with the monday september 5th new yorker by brooke husick 18 across gift that many don't accept for short esp hmm which that's funny you know, yeah i accept uh, this is yeah I think we accept it here, but mm-hmm. other people don't. Uh, 32 across, cosmetic ripoff, question mark. Wax strip? Poor strip. Cute. Isn't that cute? Uh, and then, of course, I had to shout this one out. 52 across, Gemini, Libra, and Aquarius. 
The answer is air signs, of course. We are the worst signs of the zodiac. <laughs> Verified. You heard it here first. Um, but that's what makes us the coolest. And then 22 down, virtual companions who might partake of a free omelet. I didn't know what this was, and then I filled it in, and it brought back such like a visceral memory. Neopet. They would eat omelets? Oh, you... I, I did yeah, I, I remember. So. I didn't know what an omelet was yes. when I was playing Neopets. I just, like, right. that's what they ate. Yes. And I think, like, I wish I could go back and play Neopets the way Neopets used to be and see if, like, I understood it more. Because I feel like I was just clicking around on the website without mm-hmm. really understanding what in the goddamn hell I was actually doing. I loved the mini games, but I didn't understand much more than that. Same. I just wanted to, like, collect as many cute pets as possible. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's all I got from that one. What else you got? What about the Monday New York Times by Adam Simpson? Didn't do it. Well, this is kind of a shit, but not really. I just want to throw it out there. 24 across yeah. vaping apparatus informally. And the answer is e-cig. Do you feel like now people say e-cig or everyone just says pen? Like pens. Or vapes. <sighs> yeah. I th- pens or vapes. And I think like. When you walk into a smoke shop, they would probably say, like, vape or battery. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't, like, I feel like people shy away from e-cig because they don't want to be um, associated, associated with, cigarettes. with cigarettes. And also, a lot of, like, vaping nowadays is not just nicotine products. Mm-hmm. So, just to say. Sorry, Adam Simpson. That's all I had for Monday. <laughs> it was a fine puzzle, but that's just the yeah, one that yeah, jumped yeah. out at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you got to talk about these things because if the conversations don't happen, then change will never happen. Exactly. Well, I'll pivot and talk about the Tuesday New Yorker by Natan Natan Last. Yes. A lot of good ones in here. Really good ones. 13 Down, where casts may get plastered. And the answer was rap parties. Yes. Oh, my God. Did you go to rap parties? No, I wasn't in theater because I was too shy. I know. Trust me. It's like my biggest regret. Yeah. I was in theater until eighth grade and then when i went to high school i didn't do theater because i thought it was for the nerds Mm -hmm. and then by the time i was a senior i had regretted that i didn't do theater yeah kids if you're out there do theater do theater (laughs) um eight down majority rules question mark and the answer was age limits yes one across special creators question mark chefs yep 18 across, one's getting bucks for their bang. I thought it was going to be like Deer Hunter, but it was porn stars. <laughs> so good. It was so good. I had that too. And then this was something I'd never heard before. 36 across, like blank, quickly in British slang. And it's like Billy O. Yeah. I've never heard that. i never heard of that. Wasn't Pip Pip also in that puzzle? Mm, I, yes, it was. Just more British slang. These keep, Brits, they're taking coming. over. They're taking over. Um, speaking of Brits, I guess we have to memorialize the Queen died today. Yeah. On the day of our recording. And this will go down in history as the most important, <laughs> the second most important thing to happen on this day is the recording of this podcast. Um, also from that Natan last puzzle was 14 across. Watch a boxer, say. Mm-hmm. And the answer is dog sit. And Matt's family, his sister had a beautiful boxer named Sophie. And she recently passed away. I didn't know that she died. Yeah. That's sad. It was, it was kind of sudden. And she was older. Uh, she died in 2021. Hmm. So 
not like recent, but like recent in the grand scheme of like of life know, of the planet, yeah, of the universe. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that was a good one. I also liked nineteen down from this puzzle, throwing things out, spitballing. <laughs> I loved it. So good. Um, I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna keep us on the New Yorker okay. path here. I'm gonna move us over to the Wednesday, September seventh, New Yorker by Eric Agard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved twenty four across. Quote. You actually think I'm with you on this? Question mark. And the answer was, "Who's we?" Mm-hmm. I fucking loved that. It was so good. Um, and then nine down, facial recognition report? Question mark. I know that look. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a ton, a ton, a ton of our topics in this puzzle. So shout out to Eric. Um, we know that he has listened to our podcast occasionally in the past, and it always stresses us out because we love his puzzles. Um, but it's also ex- very exciting when he writes to us. But a ton of our topics showed up in his puzzle this this week, so I want to call them out. Uh, and this is, I'm plugging us, even though I know you're already listening, but if you listen to this podcast, you will learn stuff that will, again, show up in puzzles, and then you'll be able to like answer puzzles more easily. Okay? That's the whole point. Um, that's the whole goddamn point. 29 across, Great Lake that contains Saginaw Bay. And the answer was Huron. Mm-hmm. And you can listen to episode three, Five Rings and Five Lakes to learn about the Great Lakes. Uh, 57 across. June Birthstone. The answer was Pearl. And you can listen to episode 81, A House of Another Color to, listen, to learn about birthstones. Uh, 59 across. Storied Lock. And the answer was Ness. And you can listen to episode 56 to le- uh, called Blue Eyed Monster to learn about the Loch Ness Monster. And then One Down. Uh, Hakuho shows sport, and the answer is sumo. And Grace talked about sumo in episode 74, Growing Pains. And then lastly, 10 down, burnt blank, reddish brown shade, and the answer is sienna, so burnt sienna. And if you're interested in the history of Crayola, listen to episode 131, Luck of the Drawing. So, like, a ton of our topics mm-hmm. showed up in this puzzle. Coincidence? So. Maybe, maybe not. It's only it's it's for Eric to know and for us to wonder desperately. Um, I have some from the Wednesday, September seventh, New York Times by Akua E. Akua Ewul Ewul. If this anyone good knows how to pronounce their name, please let me know. And it was a debut, I believe. Oh, this is a debut. Okay. Yeah. So a debut is when, uh, as it sounds, <laughs> it's like the first time a certain person is having their puzzle appear in a particular outlet. So. It's Akua's debut in the New York Times, so congratulations. Um, there are a lot of fun ones in here. 37 Down, chocolate confection that melts before you eat it. A lava cake. Cute. 30... I love lava cakes. I know, me too. 36 Down, long time soda slogan. Do the do. <laughs> um, and then to- speaking of our topics, there was 47 Down, like Legos originally. Danish. We did a Lego episode. There you go. And then 56 down, Director Craven. Wes Craven. Also did a Wes Craven episode. Wow. Um, but I liked the theme of this. This is interesting. This it's is a so debut good. puzzle because the theme basically throughout the puzzle, um, some across clues. They started 16 across, newbie crossword solvers thought on a Monday. And the answer is, I've got this. Because, you know, the puzzle gets harder throughout the week if you don't know. Mm-hmm. Then 23 across, newbie crossword solvers thought on a Tuesday. Wish me luck. 35 across, newbie crossword solvers thought on a Wednesday, I'd like some hints. 
<laughs> 50 across, newbie crossword solvers thought on a Thursday, what in the hell? And then 58 <laughs> across, newbie crossword solvers thought on a Friday, Google time. Yes. Yes. And they didn't do Saturday, but Saturday is known as the Saturday stumper. It's very difficult. Yeah. I think a lot of people assume that Sundays are the hardest puzzle uh, because they're larger. Sundays are the largest puzzle, but they're supposed to be more like a weekend reset. I think it's more like a Wednesday, Wednesday level vibe. difficulty. Yeah. Um, but that was such a fun puzzle. I also, so I just want to say, I love when I see this in a puzzle, one across before poetically. And the answer is air, E-R-E. It's crossword easy seat all the time. It's nothing really too exciting. But when I was in college, I was obsessed with the poem, uh, The Lady of Shalott by Tennyson. Mm -hmm. And every time I hear air, I think of a specific verse from the poem. And I, I had a huge chunk of this poem memorized because it was one of my fixations in mm -hmm. college. It was on your striped but, shirt era. <laughs> yes. Um, but the particular section of this poem that I recall is when the Lady of Shalott dies. And it's ere she reached upon the tide, the first house by the waterside. Singing in her song, she died, the Lady of Shalott. And it's gorgeous. The whole puzzle, or the whole, the whole poem is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. But just to say, keep putting that word in there, because it reminds me of that, that, that poem. Reminds her of a simpler time. It does. Back when I was in my striped shirts and <laughs> reading Brit Lit and thinking, I had the world in my palm, the palm of my hand. <laughs> there you go. Now I have it in the palm of my foot. Your soul. My soul. S-O-L-E. Yep. Well, that's all I got. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's all I got, too. <laughs> all right. Let's flip the coin. We're flipping the coin now. <gasps> Heads. That's you once again. Seems rigged. It's me, baby. Alrighty. My topic comes from the Monday, September 5th New Yorker by Brooke Husick. 49 across. Martial art whose name is formed from the kanji for harmony, spirit, and way. What is it? The answer is Aikido. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so I'm going to be talking about Aikido today. Um, if you don't know what Aikido is, Aikido is a modern Japanese martial arts. And there is many different styles of Aikido. I'm not going to be able to go through all of them, but... Aikido is the original and has since kind of like broken off into different subsets of Aikido. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to get into their names because there's a lot of them, but let's just talk a little bit about Aikido. The word Aikido is formed from three kanji. I, meaning harmony and unifying. Ki, meaning energy and spirit. And Do, meaning way or path. So the literal interpretation of the word Aikido is way of combining forces or way of unifying energy. Hmm. Uh, Aikido as a martial art was founded by a man named Ushiba Morihai. Ushiba is the family name. Morihai is the first name. Uh, in the early 20th century. Ushiba's life was very long and very storied, and there's literally no way I can cover every aspect of it. There are tons of biographies on this guy. Uh, his story is long and complicated. We'll touch a little bit on that in a bit because it's important regardless uh, ushiba was born on december 14th 1883 to father yuroku and mother yuki 
He lived a rather privileged life for the time. His dad was a wealthy gentleman farmer and a minor politician, and his mother was from a prominent local family, the Itakawa clan. Uh, Ushiba was a sickly child. He preferred staying indoors to read books and to study. He loved listening to legends about the saints and was interested in Buddhism. Uh, to counteract his son's daydreaming, Hiroku told Ushiba tales of his great-grandfather named Kichiman, who was said to be one of the strongest samurai of his day. Mm. His father also encouraged him to study sumo wrestling and swimming. Uh, Ushiba had a varied education as a young boy. He studied everything from Confucianism, Buddhism, and accountancy. Shout out to the other accountant here. We have so much in common. Right? Um, After completing his schooling, he took on several jobs, but none of them seemed to be the right fit, and they all seemed to disillusion him. He just, like, didn't want to be a merchant, Mm -hmm. like his dad, for instance, or a politician. In 1903, he joined the military, and he served on the front lines of the Russo-Japanese War and was discharged in 1907. Throughout these years of his life, he was actively training in many martial arts forms uh, under renowned martial artists of the time. Some forms of martial arts that he learned, and God help me for these pronunciations, uh, Kito Ryu Jiu-Jitsu, mm-hmm. that's one, Gato Ha, Yagu Yu Ryu, that's two, and Judo. Okay. Okay. In some of these martial arts forms, he was actually awarded um, certificates of total transmission, which is a way of the master of that martial arts to say, hey, you're so qualified and skilled in this, you are now able to teach it as well, if you would so like to disseminate this information. Mm -hmm. The most important martial art master that Ushiba studied under was Takeda Sokaku, uh, who was the founder of a martial art form called Daito Ryu Aiki Jiu-Jitsu. Ushiba met Takeda in 1915 and was deeply impressed with Takeda's martial art and began studying his style of Jiu-Jitsu. Going so far as to invite Takeda uh, to move in with his family and become a permanent house guest. So he, like, loved this guy's martial arts. He was like, move in and I'll teach. I'll learn under you. Mm -hmm. And in 1922, Ushiba received a certificate of transmission from his master, uh, which is essentially a teaching license. Um, and then he went on to tour with his master as a teaching assistant, and he taught the system, this system of martial arts to others. Then in 1920, Ushiba became a full-time student of the Amoto Kiyoi religion, which is considered a new Japanese religion originating from Shinto. Uh, and he moved his entire family, including his mother, to the Amato compound. Aside from event- inventing a new martial art form, his joining of the Amato religion is probably the most important choice of his life. and. I would, in in my personal opinion, probably not the best choice he ever fucking made. Hmm. Anyway, Amato Kyoi is a neo-Shinto religion, but it's also a far-right, ultra-nationalist group. Okay. The main goal of Amato Kyoi is the unification of all humanity in a single, quote, heavenly kingdom on earth where all religions would be united under the banner of Amato Kyoi. But the caveat is that Amato Kyoi's worldview of peace, like wanting world peace, is that of a benevolent dictatorship by the Emperor of Japan, specifically, with all other nations being subjugated under Japanese rule. Hmm. Okay. And, uh, yes, um, Ushiba deeply believed that the best thing for Japan and the world was for everybody to be a subject under a literal dictator. Mm-hmm. Anyway, 
So there is a great three-part article series on this exact subject. It's titled How War and Religion Shaped Modern Aikido uh, by Stanley Prannan, and you can read it on Aikido Today. I'll share the link in the episode description. Um, I have to flag this because Ishiba was very, very, very close with the founder of Emoto Kyoi, a man named Onisa Boro Daguchi, and he was friends and very close with this man his entire life, as well as many other Japanese far-right nationalists, and Ushiba's founding of Aikido is directly related to his religious and political beliefs. You can't have Aikido without having all the other stuff, hmm. okay? So I'm going to read a quote from the article. Quote, The doctrine and religious text of the Emoto played a great role in shaping Ushiba's spiritual beliefs. He regarded Onisaburo as his spiritual master and was extremely devoted to the causes that Daguchi espoused. Here's where serious problems emerge. Not only was Onisaburo focused on expanding the activities of the sect and looking after the believers, he frequently provoked the Japanese government engaged in politics and intrigue. Onisaburo, too, was very well connected and conspired with a number of ultranationalist figures of the day to advance his religious agenda. This played into the hands of the, right, the key right-wing leaders, especially those engaged in political and military activities in northern China. These kinds of activities placed the Emoto on the gov government's radar and led to its brutal suppression uh, on two occasions in 1921 and 1935. The latter event effectively crushed the religion and had devastating effects on Morahai both professionally and privately. So, while I'm talking about the rest of Ushiba's life, he is BFFs with the leader of this ultra-nationalist, far-right, political religious sect okay okay so just keep that in mind and the the beliefs that he had in this religion mm -hmm. would inform his teachings of aikido and aikido is still taught today and you can literally we could go to take some aikido lessons right now if we wanted to mm -hmm. and they have since separated themselves with that but just to say, it's just interesting to learn these things yeah. about the people in history. Okay. And there is literally so much on this specific subject. You can Google uh, Morahai Ushiba right wing and articles and articles, biographies all come up. There's a really great Reddit thread actually <laughs> in the Akito subreddit that talks specifically about this and people just sharing links and uh, references to why, to like how these teachings of this specific religion informed the teachings of Aikido. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested in that, you can deep dive. I did deep dive <laughs> and I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep us on track here. Anyway, so while Ushiba lived on the Emoto compound, he became the group's martial arts instructor where he taught the jujitsu form of his previous master, Takeda. Uh, his, ma his old master, Takeda, actually visited the compound, but he didn't get along with the religious leader. And so Ushiba and Takeda t basically stopped talking after this. Hmm. And even though Ushiba continued to teach the Takeda martial art, Taguchi encouraged Ushiba to create his own style of martial arts. And this is the first time we see Ushiba get the idea to kind of break off and do his own thing. His prowess as a martial artist increased and his fame also spread. He was challenged by many established martial artists, some of whom later became his students after he defeated them. In 1925, he was asked to give a demonstration of his art in Tokyo by Admiral Isamu Takashita, 
and he was then requested to stay in Tokyo and instruct the Imperial Guard in his martial arts. In 1927, he moved his family to Tokyo, and the move allowed him to uh, continue teaching martial arts to politicians, high-ranking military personnel, and members of the imperial household, and suddenly he was teaching some of Japan's most important citizens. This is important because, remember, he's connected to this, like, ultra, like, extremist religious sect. Mm -hmm. When the government cracked down on those... Ushiba was like, fuck, I'm going to get arrested and sent to jail just like everybody else. But because he was teaching, let's say, the chief of police in Tokyo, who was also a far right nationalist, mm-hmm. he got off. Mm-hmm. So he was able to like basically escape unscathed because of these like high ranking political connections that he had. Anyway, so he uh, let's see. He also became the martial arts instructor at the Imperial Japanese Naval Academy. And he also taught at the Nakano Spy School. Ooh. That sounds good. Uh, he also became, I know, right? He but also became, die. yeah, I wonder, I feel like that's probably like the secret police. Yeah. You know, something like that. Uh, he also became a visiting instructor at the Imperial Japanese Army Academy. After being, being challenged to a general there and defeating him, he then became a visiting instructor at the school. Uh, and then he, let's see. And in 1942, he left Tokyo and, um, founded the Aki Shorin Dojo in Iwama, uh, which was where he set up his very first, like, well, actually, it was his second dojo where he could teach his particular style of martial arts. Uh, and there's a lot of conjecture of, about when his particular brand of martial arts stopped being called what Takeda, his old master, called it, and what we now call it as Aikido. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of hard to trace when exactly that happened, but somewhere in this time period... He started calling his martial arts Aikido. Um, Interestingly, fun fact, after World War II, there was a prohibition on teaching martial arts in Japan, which I thought was interesting. It's because they were occupied by the United States uh, and there was a you couldn't teach martial arts. Um, But Ushiba and his students continued to practice in secret at the Iwama Dojo. Uh, And eventually the ban uh, on martial arts, specifically, definitely Aikido. I'm not sure which other martial arts were lifted, but that was lifted in 1948. Uh, in 1969, Ushiba led his last training session on March 10th, and he was taken to the hospital where he was diagnosed with cancer, um, like liver cancer, and then he died in April of 1969. So he had a long life, mm-hmm. you know, he saw two centuries. Uh, we also have seen two centuries, which is no big just deal. banana. No big deal. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what Aikido is. Aikido is a comprehensive system of throwing, joint locking, striking, and pinning techniques combined with training in traditional Japanese weapons, such as the sword, the staff, and the knife. And now more modern Aikido dojos will also teach you, like, how to do Aikido with, like, firearms, for instance. Like many other martial arts disciplines, Aikido uh, emphasizes the development of the internal as well as physical integrity. So it's mental and physical. Let's see. Uh, Aikido is not supposed to be just a method of vanquishing or conquering your foe, but it is a means of promoting the positive character of the ideal warrior, and it is a path of self-development and intense physical and spiritual training to perfect human character and develop true wisdom. How is Aikido different from other martial arts? Traditional Aikido is non-competitive. I think that's the biggest distinction. Uh, And it does not come through, like, besting your opponent, but through demonstrating and understanding the basic exercises and techniques of the form. 
uh, which become more demanding and difficult as you level up, essentially, if you get like a higher and higher belt, which is sort of what it's called. It's called Dan mm-hmm. in the in Aikido, but you might elevate your like first Dan, second Dan, eighth Dan, etc. But you might get like a belt mm-hmm. to signify like what Dan you are in. Anyway, so you practice techniques against a variety of. Oh, sorry. Hold on. In Aikido, you strive to work in cooperation with your partner by blending with the attack and redirecting its energy back to the attacker. Mm, that'd be nice. Right. So you practice techniques against uh, kicks, punches, strikes, single hand or two hand grabs from the front or the rear, chokes, multiple person attacks, and attacks with weapons. In all of these, you just you strive to resolve the conflict in a non-lethal, non-destructive but effective manner. Hmm. Uh, Techniques may end in joint locks or immobilizations or in dynamic motions where an attacker is thrown forwards or backwards across the mat or through the air. Uh, And rather than like linear motions, Aikido is comprised of blending, turning, pivoting, circling, and spiraling. It kind of gives me like a very like water movement you know i'm watching avatar right now so it gives me like a very like water water tribe vibe yeah exactly um aikido training is both mental and physical um and the emphasizes the ability to relax the mind and body even under the stress of dangerous situations this is necessary to be able to perform the enter and blend movement so you're like entering into an attack and blending with your partner to like you have to be relaxed to be able to do this and like calm like if you're going in anxious there's no way you're blending Mm -hmm. there's no blending happening and ushiba once said that one quote must be willing to receive 99 percent of an opponent's attack and stare death in the face in order to execute technique without hesitation okay okay i wish if you if you insist Aikido was first introduced to the rest of the world in 1951 by Japanese martial artist uh, Minoru Mochizuki when he visited France and demonstrated Aikido techniques to judo students. Another Japanese martial artist, Kenji Tamiki, visited the United States and toured Aikido through 15 of our states. And then Aikido spread from there to the United Kingdom in 1955, Italy in 1964, and Germany in 1965. And the largest Aikido organization in the world is the Akikai Foundation, which apparently is still run by the Ishiba family. Hmm. There are some incredible sources on Akito. If you're interested in them, let me know. But the one that I mentioned earlier was really great. And I wish I could have talked more about his history, but honestly, it's dense. It's much. dense, folks. Yeah. I was texting Grace. I was like, my, t- my research is eight pages long. I went back and checked after I sent that text to you. It was nine oh my pages God. long. You're nuts. I got it down to four. I got it down to four, though. So I am nuts. Um, I've been wanting to learn how to do martial arts because I feel like that's something I can actually stick to because my anxiety of, like, someone attacking me, that'll drive me, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Was I that's talking the best to motivation. About- I feel like I was walking down a street in Chicago with you, one of the main streets. We were walking to like a concert or something. We passed that cat cafe. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. And we saw like a martial arts, like free there one is, lesson. They have Was free, that you? Yeah. And they have free self-defense there. There's other ones closer to us now though. That I think we should may, go. Yeah. I mean, I want to like join one and like get a black belt or the I'd equivalent to whatever one it is. I'd do it. If you need someone to go with, 
Or if you're feeling like you'd feel shy if I was there, I no. totally get it. But if you need a friend, I'd go. I would like a, I mean, I, I could go either way. Like, I'm okay doing things by myself, but if a friend wants to come, that's good too. <laughs> I am not okay with doing anything by myself. So if I don't have someone to do something with me, then. It ain't happening. Although, yeah, no, it's not happening. So. Well, watch out it. next time you see, check back with Chelsea and I in a year from now. We'll be ripped and we could kick anyone's ripped. ass. Okay. Exactly. I will not be stopped. All right. All right. That that's a keto. Well, some of it. And the complicated history of its founder. I'm I'm interested to know like the Reddit thread, what type of stuff that's taught in the you know in the martial art that is kind of tied into this like super conservative alt right or sorry, not alt right, just right wing. <laughs> You'll have to just Google Ushiba Morahai right wing, and it's literally the first topic that comes up on reddit anyway fun 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 facts all right i was actually pleasantly surprised though that most of the people in the thread were like yeah he was he was fucking right wing he was problematic i was like bless up you never know what you're gonna get on reddit so that's all i gotta say that's actually shocking for reddit and like just like in a martial arts subreddit too i was like i don't know what i'm what i'm stepping into here you gotta be careful on there yeah you, you really do anyway that's a keto everyone my topic came from the Sunday Washington Post by Evan Bernholz, College Admissions. And it was 105 down, absinthe flavoring. And the answer was anise. Oh my God, are you talking about absinthe? I am. I like could have. I have some absinthe here if we ever want to try it. Well, I kind of do after doing this topic. I could have sworn you did this topic already. I checked in the drive like five times to make sure that you didn't already do <laughs> Definitely this. not. Although it's something I probably would have tried it is to do. something, but I got it first. Sorry. Okay. All right. <clears throat> absinthe, a.k.a. Absinthe. The Green Fairy, associated yes. with debauchery, hallucinations, France. <laughs> We're on the topic of France today, yes. folks. Um, you may have heard this story where Oscar Wilde is drinking absinthe in a bar at the end of the night. The bartender throws a bucket of water to clean off the stone floor, and Wilde claims that the floor sprouted tulips from the stone, and he could feel them brushing against his legs as he walked out. Okay. Good night for Oscar Wilde. But what is absinthe, and does it really deserve mm -hmm. its reputation for being, like, way worse than any other liquor? I, I need to know, because I've had absinthe many a time. Mm -hmm. And maybe I just, I'm not having the right type, but... I've never experienced anything sort of like psychedelic. And trust me, I know what a psychedelic experience should feel like. Well, you can make your own uh, assumption <laughs> at the end of here, at the end of this. But okay, absinthe itself is just a spirit with a very high alcohol content. So that's why some people think it's like way worse than anything else. But for example, mm. beer is between 8 and 16 proof. Rum and gin are between 72 and 100 proof. Vodka is between 80 and 195 proof, and then absinthe is between 110 and 144. So it's stronger than other ones, but not. I mean, vodka um, is, you know, harder alcohol than that in some mm -hmm, cases. Mm -hmm. And there are two kinds of absinthe. There's absinthe verte, which is green, which is like the, more, the most famous one. And then you can also mm -hmm. get white absinthe um, called absinthe mm. blanc. So I think I have white absinthe here. Ugh. The boring one. No offense. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, so it is made from a white grape-based spirit, wormwood, anise, and fennel, hence the licorice flavor. 
hence why i hate it yes and the green which makes me think i would like it because i don't i like the taste of licorice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um the green absinthe has extra herbs in it that that's what give, gives it the green color otherwise it would just be okay. white okay okay what about the name so wormwood is like the main ingredient here and the scientific name for wormwood is artemisia absinthium and ah. the greeks used to put wormwood leaves in wine or spirits and call it absintheon and apparently they would give this to like cure medical ailments, including uh, they thought it would like help during childbirth. So <laughs> you got you gotta love it. Fetal alcohol syndrome, anyone? Well, I think it's just during the birth. So oh, just during the actual mm-hmm. pushing and a quick little shot okay. of absinthe, baby slides got it, it okay. right out. <laughs> and, got it, got it, got it. Got and it. If well, you probably relax. You're like okay. If it's born during no- Northern Lights, it'll have cross-eyed or <laughs> cross-eyed. Or wasn't that one of the? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> Is that yeah, I think that's what it was. Or was it curing cross-eyed? It wouldn't be curing because you're just being born, so Right. Um, that's from an earlier episode. I'm not just being weird. Yeah. Okay. Looking at these ingredients, you may be wondering, how does this cost cause hallucinations? Well, mm. wormwood contains a chemical called thujone, and thujone can cause convulsions and even death in high enough dosages. However, Someone would have to drink about three bottles of absinthe to even start feeling the effects, and they'd probably get alcohol poisoning before they even got to that point. Very good. Even so, there's no proof that Thujone causes hallucinations. Just, you know, convulsions and death. Mm-hmm. So how, of course. Okay. Why did absinthe get this reputation? Well, let's look back to see how it all started. Was it a marketing campaign? <laughs> um, it's like a, a perfect storm type situation. Got it. Got it. Okay. So absinthe was actually created in Switzerland. Not mm, France. Swedes. Yes. But okay. right on the border and in like the French speaking part of Switzerland. So the French still had their little French fingers. <laughs> yes. Not the Swedes. The Swiss. Uh, the Swiss. Yes. Excuse me. Uh, this was in the 18th century. So 1700s. And credit is usually given to actually a French doctor named, and this is really his name, Pierre Ordinaire. Is his name. Beautiful. An ordinary guy. He was living in Switzerland at the time. So he moved to Switzerland after the French Revolution, and he was a doctor. He created a wormwood concoction that could be used to cure everything from flatulence to anemia. (laughs) But some people believe that Pierre Ordinaire actually got this idea from someone else, a local herbalist named Marie Henroyd, who called it Marie Henroyd's elixir or Mother Henriette's health elixir. So some people think she was actually the one who decided to put all these herbs together, make little tinctures okay. of it, and then he kind of started making it and giving it to his patients. Got it. But like I said earlier, the Greeks and then other cultures had been using wormwood for centuries for medicinal purposes, but Pierre Ordinaire or Marie Henroyd made the drink green by mixing in local herbs. Okay. Rumor has it that Pierre didn't pass down the recipe until he was on his deathbed. But a couple years after he died, the first absinthe distillery opened in Switzerland. <clears throat> and then in the 1800s, there was a drought in France, which made a bunch of vineyards, you know, lose their vines. And so wine mm. production started declining and absinthe started kind of sneaking its way onto the French drink Got market. Got it. Okay. By the 1830s, French soldiers in Algeria were drinking wormwood cocktails regularly. They drank it to cool fevers and to prevent dysentery. They would mix the wormwood with a little wine to help it go down smoothly. And thus, absinthe as a casual beverage was born. Okay. Not purely medicinal. Um, In 1840, the soldiers came back to France and they brought the drink with them and it became extremely popular. They had something called Green Hour instead of Happy Hour, where, you know, people drink absinthe. 
Um, and because of its high alcohol content, the French realized they could get more bang for their buck than other drinks. You know, you just there you, you go. You can get more alcohol diluted a bit, last you longer, gets you more drunk. For sure. Um, absinthe is so strong that it's usually mixed with water. Um, but because absinthe and water are different densities, the water must be added steadily and slowly. Eventually, this would lead to the creation of absinthe fountains, which you may have seen. They're kind of yep. elaborate um, tabletop machines that slowly drip water into a glass of absinthe. And sometimes gorgeous. it's over a sugar cube. I know I want one. Mm-hmm. But before the fancy contraptions came out, absinthe was for the art girlies. Okay. And they had to <laughs> learn how to slow pour themselves. So you know that they were like super elitist when all of a sudden people oh, had these little machines. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So Oscar Wilde famously was obsessed with absinthe. He wrote, quote, a glass of absinthe is as poetical as anything in the world. What difference is there between a glass of absinthe and a sunset? Ernest Hemingway also loved it, saying absinthe is supposed to rot your brain out, but I don't believe it. It only changes the ideas. He even created his own absinthe cocktail where he combined absinthe and champagne and called it death in the afternoon omg i got champagne you got absinthe let's do it all right i'll see you later <laughs> there were more artists that famously loved absinthe as well um vincent van gogh toulouse lautrec frank sinatra mark twain picasso etc mm. many people believe that the rumors of absinthe causing hallucin- hallucinations was born from the fact that a lot of these absinthe drinkers were also doing other drugs and drinking out of leaded glasses. So it's possible they were hallucinating, but it's hard to pinpoint it on just this one thing. Yeah, I also feel like you get a room of like artistes mm-hmm. together and they're waxing poetically like about a drink, like Oscar Wilde calling it like it's not any different than a sunset yeah. like that'll get you there's going to be some hyperbole or a little bit of exaggeration going on just to say well also who knows like at this time maybe they were hallucinating because they had other you know issues that hadn't been diagnosed that's true very popular too. or very possible it's true um so even though the hipsters loved it the a lot of france saw it as like the cause of societal decline hmm. so there's another instance of like moral panic like the uh pinball machines always always moral panic um a french psychiatrist named valentine magnon did a research study at an asylum in paris to prove that absinthe rotted your brain out at this time there was a lot of talk among french nationals of the so-called french race and the quote degeneration of french society magnon pointed to the increase in diagnosed insanity and declared absinthe the villain responsible for it all because it was very popular at this time mm. even though this was Probably more due to the fact that more people were getting diagnosed and there was also like this new, you know, modern industrial life, putting strain on people, stressing people out. Exactly. But anyway, Magnin created the term absinthism that differentiated itself from alcoholism. So according to him, those who were addicted to specifically absinthe were even sicker and more dangerous to society. Checks out. Mm -hmm. But things came to a head in 1905 when a Swiss man named Jean Lanfray Lanfrey murdered his wife and two daughters under the influence of absinthe, which he had been drinking uh. all day. So he literally shot his wife and two young, young daughters. And when he came out of it, he supposedly had no recollection of the event. Um, he blamed it on absinthe. But it should be noted that, yes, he was drinking absinthe, but he was also drinking the whole day before and the day of. And it wasn't just absinthe. He also had brandy in his coffee and downed a few bottle of, bottles of wine. But nevertheless, at his trial, the lawyers declared him a classic case of absinthe madness. 
and it became known as the Absinthe Murder. Mm. La Gazette de Luzon, a French-language Swiss newspaper, called it the premier cause of bloodthirsty crime in this century. Be- became a Swiss national concern. The canton of Vaud banned it in less than a month after Lanfrey's death. Oh, because he also um, ended his own life after he went to jail. Okay. Um, okay. The canton of Geneva, who had its own so-called absinthe murder, followed suit. In 1910, Switzerland declared absinthe illegal. Belgium banned it in 1905 and the Netherlands in 1910. And if the Netherlands is banning it, then God you help know, it's you. messed up. In 1912, <laughs> the U.S. Pure Food Board imposed a ban calling absinthe, quote, one of the worst enemies of man. And if we keep the people of the United States from becoming slaves to this demon, we will do it. And then in 1915, it was finally exiled from France, its homeland. My God, the early 1900s were a crazy, crazy time. Truly. Um, This ban lasted until the late 80s when European countries slowly started allowing it again, and it took some countries longer than others. France allowed it to be sold, but only if it was called a wormwood-based spirit, and this law was in place until 2011. Yeah, yeah. The U.S. had a similar ban that didn't lift until 2007. Mm -hmm. So, shout out to the U.K. who never banned the drink. It was never (laughs) popular there, so... Yeah. Um, so yeah, the green fairy lives on. And w- they were too busy drinking their warm beer. Yeah. <laughs> but what really happens if you drink absinthe now? I'm going to end with a quote from irregardlessmagazine.com. This says, quote, I have found that the secondary effects are what you bring to the glass. If you want to get high, you will. If you want to enter the world of turn of the century bohemian Paris, the green fairy will guide you there. Or if you just want to enjoy a fine spirit with peculiar rituals, and a mythic legend, then absinthe can provide that for you, too. So. There you go. The choice I'm telling is yours. You, I've, had, I've had absinthe many a time, and it doesn't... It's a, it's it's like taking a shot. Yeah. I feel like I've had it a couple times, and I mean, no, I've never, like, had anything crazy. It's just regular alcohol. Mm-hmm. I remember one time mm-hmm. in Spain having it and then being so hungover the next day. But who knows? Yeah, yeah, the first time I tried it was in Europe because I think at the time, no, 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 I was yes. The first, the first time I had it was when when I was in Europe. For some reason, it just feels like it's illegal in the U.S., but it wasn't. But it's just not as popular. Well, it was until twenty two thousand and seven. I yeah, but this was after two thousand and seven when I was in Europe. But I still think that like you're like oh, it's Mm -hmm. there's something mythical about it. Well, my first introduction to absinthe was Moulin Rouge when they drink it and the Green Fairy comes out and. Right. Yeah. But um, it's popular in other than France. It was also really popular in Spain, who also never banned it. And in Prague, if you ever go to Prague, there's like absinthe stuff everywhere. Um, I remember passing like an absinthe ice cream place. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Oh, I can't believe I meant I was supposed to go to Prague and I didn't go. I'm sorry. It's a cool place. I want to go. Um, I want to go. I, you know, I've been trying to find like a cool drink order because I don't really mm-hmm. like alcohol, but I want mm-hmm. to order. And like, I was trying to do whiskey, but I just can't get behind it. Yeah, maybe absinthe. Maybe absinthe. Well, is that so pretentious to order at a bar though? <laughs> I feel like you're gonna need a more down to earth drink, only because a lot of bars aren't gonna have absinthe. Well, first, I hardly ever go to bars. I don't remember the last time I was at I, a bar, but yeah. I'm picturing, like, at a cool bar, ordering absinthe, and then people being like, what are you drinking? I'm like, oh, it's absinthe. I don't think that's pretentious at all. In fact, I think it's the coolest thing you could possibly do. Do you think, like, if I'm going to a wedding soon, do you think they would have it? No. 
Is is it like a full bar or are they just doing like it's at a bar? Cocktails? It's at a bar, actually. Right. But is is it like a cash bar? Is I, it no, a full I bar? I, I don't know. I don't know. If they if, have if Malort, I had that answer. Yeah. They should have absinthe. Then, yeah, it's true. I think you should say that to the bartender, actually. I will. I'll cause, like, I'll hey, cause I'll a have huge a sh- scene. Yeah, I, I'll have a shot of absinthe, please. He's like, oh, sorry, ma'am, we don't have absinthe. You're like, oh, but you have Malort? Are you telling me that you have Malort, but you're not going to give me absinthe? And then you start yelling, and then it's like a whole thing. Um, I'll, tr- I'll try it and let you know if I can make it happen. All I right. feel like it's well, so obnoxious, but I don't think it is funny, at all. though. Yeah. I think it, it, it tells a lot about you. But I think I would trying. like it because the only other alcohol I semi-like is Fireball because it tastes like cinnamon and it tastes like candy. Yeah. I feel like absinthe kind of tastes like licorice. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I can get behind yeah. that. I feel like you can also do absinthe with like, obviously with like a sugar cube. There could be fire involved. <laughs> so I'm asking um, for a sugar cube. That's too much. It's like, okay. Oh, well, I think. Well, how would they even give a, it to me? They need like there a There are bars. Pour. There are bars in Chicago that serve absinthe cocktails that have the little absinthe pourers, mm-hmm. like Violet Hour, for instance, mm-hmm. had uh, an absinthe cocktail for a while. I don't know if they still do. Um, but I don't want everyone at the bar drinking absinthe. You know what I mean? I, I do know. I do know. Maybe you have to bring your own absinthe. B-I-O-A? Yeah. And um, you have like a flask and you pull it out and people are like, oh, what are you drinking? And you're like, oh, absinthe. <laughs> they're like, can I take a sip? And they're like, what is this? <laughs> It's the green fairy. A.K.A. green devil. Just kidding. It's the green fairy to me. I don't believe in the... Yeah. I mean, who knows what those guys were doing? Are you kidding me? They're probably like, you know, midday, they're like out painting as or writing in the field as one does. They get hungry. They start foraging for mushrooms. They just eat whatever they find on the side of the road, which could be like magic mushrooms. And then they go to the bar by the time they're at the bar and they have their first glass of absinthe, they're, like, in the clouds. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it's the absinthe. This is, like, so crazy. Like, or, you know, you get a bunch of, like, art bros together and, and you just get them drunk. And they're, like, they just feed off the energy of, like, oh, my God, this is, like, crazy. I'm, like, so drunk All right you now. need is one so person high. to be like, are you guys seeing something? And everyone's like, I think I am. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Don't trust artists. I don't. Um, that's a rule I have for myself. But yeah. Anyways, uh, that's absinthe. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. And Grace, I do have absinthe here if you want to give it a try before you go to your wedding. So maybe so this- we could do. What's that? What's that Hemingway cocktail? Death in the, the afternoon. Like, I, would, I don't like absinthe, and I would, I would be sad to ruin a beautiful bottle of champagne. Well, just absinthe. try a little bit. I mean, we're not going to mix sure, the whole bottle and call it a day. That's true. That's true. We'll report back, like we always do, although we never we follow never do. up. But <laughs> if something interesting happened, we would report back, okay? Sometimes we say we're going to do and we don't. But I, I'm really committing to this, so. Yes, she's committing. I can see it. I can see the look of determination in her eyes, so you better trust her. Um, yeah, this is a lot of fun today on, on the podcast. Um, we will talk to everyone <laughs> next time. We will. In the meantime, keep curious out there. Do it. Try absinthe and report back. Did you hallucinate? Or are you a black belt in Aikido mm-hmm. or any other martial arts? That's all we care about. Report so back. If you aren't talking to us about those two things, then keep it to Get yourself. Get out of the DMs. Yeah, exactly. Um, and until next time, well, Grace already said it, but keep curious. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see you next time. 
my fine feathered friends. Oh, and then follow us on Twitter at the Good Eve Girls. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And Instagram at the Good Evening Girls. And TikTok at the Good Eve Girls and everything's linked below. Yes, yes, yes. We'll see you there. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.